I sense a disturbance in the Force. You always sense a disturbance in the Force. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Star Wars Monthly Mondays, available the first Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.com. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. illogic and foolish emotions constant irritant then transfer out freak two true along the circus right next to the dog-faced boy i have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lip, worm headed sack of monkey shit. Ah! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner. He's an asshole. And Chris Honeywell. He stinks, and I don't like him. It appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. Yes. I owe silver away. With his friend Tonto, the daring and resourceful mask rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. The Lone Ranger rides again. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is Commentary Monthly Monday. I'm George Armstrong Custer and I am joined by a distant relation of President Ulysses S. Grant. 
Oh, that's actually true. <laughs> I know it is. You thought I forgot, didn't you? <laughs> I thought you were going to introduce me as Tonto or something. <laughs> oh, that was too. That was too obvious. That was just right there. You know what I mean? I couldn't swing at that. <laughs> no, that's right. I, I I remembered that. I thought that was probably why you were all excited about uh, about Grant being in this movie. Oh yeah, and he's excellent too. He's he's excellent. He's the best part of this movie. <laughs> I may be biased, but I think you are biased. But I, I cannot, I cannot completely disagree with you. What we are talking about, folks, is a movie that goes back to uh, to my childhood. This is from 1981. It's called The Legend of the Lone Ranger, and uh, we've picked this one for a couple. Well, I- I'll be honest, I've picked this one for a couple of reasons. For one thing. This was on my short list right when we were first thinking up Two True Freaks as a show and topics that we wanted to have and movies we would want to talk about and things like that. This was definitely on uh, on the list of things I wanted to talk about right from the get-go because uh, I genuinely have a, a big old soft spot for this movie. Um, I, I really dig this one. And I'll get into more of my reasons why in a little bit, but I do genuinely really enjoy the hell out of this movie. The other reason, of course, is uh, I'm not sure exactly what the release date is. If I wasn't so lazy, I'd have looked it up ahead of time. But here shortly, there is a new Lone Ranger movie coming out. Of course, the Disney one with uh, starring uh, uh, Johnny Depp as Tonto. And what's the dude's name? Ar- Armin Hammer, the baking soda guy. Yeah, is is the Lone Ranger? Guy. I'm torn on that. I more than likely I won't go see it theatrically, and everything I'd heard and everything I'd seen up to a point was kind of like, nah, I don't know if I'm really interested in that. And then, let me see, what movie would it have been? I went to see something theatrically. Probably Iron Man 3, I think. There was a, a new trailer that I saw that I hadn't seen before for The Lone Ranger. That kind of made my ears perk up a little bit. So I, I might check it out. So this is kind of sort of a coattails riding episode because that's coming out. But also, like I said, I've just been waiting for the right time to do this episode. And I figured, you know, this this was the perfect time with uh, the Lone Ranger possibly being on some minds. I, I know that most people are thinking about, you know, Superman right now with <laughs> the new Superman movie out. So hopefully Lone Ranger won't... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get garner some attention if it's you know worthy of garnering some attention. It won't just pull a, a, a John Carter, which I still haven't seen, by the way. You know, I, I understand that's a really really solid movie. I just I still have not made time to see it. Yeah, me neither. I'm so, I really want to see it. Yeah, I'd like to. I, you know, uh, uh, Dave Atterbury got me interested in it because he he just raves about that movie and how, how good it was. But what I was referring to, of course, is a, you know it just it came out. Everybody that I know that has seen it says it's really good, but it just really bombed at the box office so I, I hope lone ranger if you know if it's worthy of attention i hope it doesn't you know i hope it gets it you know what i mean i hope it doesn't just come out and bomb but i have a problem with the movie really you know judging a book strictly by its cover it looks like that is tonto centric it really looks like you know johnny depp is going to steal the show well, they're yeah. probably hoping he's going to do a Captain Jack Sparrow on it. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's playing Tonto as broadly as he plays right. his part in, in the pirate movies. But, you know, I mean, but it's it's trailers, so they're definitely selling Johnny Depp. What I, what I, 
what sort of turned me off with the trailers is it reminded me a little bit of like that wi- the Wild Wild, Wild West. Wild West, yeah. With, I, I with, thought of that with too. a twist of the Matrix style filmmaking in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it didn't. I was hoping that it would be like shot like a Western with a little grit to it, you know, and it doesn't yeah. look like it has a lot of grit to it. So yeah. I don't know. It, it, who knows? Well, it, I, I'm, I'm sort of curious to see how it. Because I had no interest in seeing the pirate of the Caribbean movie, and when I saw the first one, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And the second one, a little less or so. But I, I was, I was just pleasantly surprised at how fun it was. You know, it wasn't anything to write home about, but it was, it was a fun character movie, and Johnny Depp did carry that movie so it's possible you know i mean i imagine i'm surprised there isn't more uproar that they didn't get an american indian actor to play tonto oh there, there's been some stink I'm i sure don't know how big stink. it's been but there has been some stink about that yeah I, i'm sure there i mean i don't see what how there couldn't be you know but I have no problem with Tonto getting a larger role in a in a Lone Ranger movie. Um, that's that'll be something I'll talk about, you know, in the movie that we're gonna do a commentary here for in a minute. Is I like that that Tonto in Legend of the Lone Ranger got a better part, a bigger part. He was intelligent. He didn't talk in that that really stilted, idiotic speech yes. pattern that they had with the old television show and everything. And I liked that. Um, so I have no problem with Tonto having a bigger role and being fleshed out a little bit more because I, I like the Tonto scenes in this movie. There's just not enough of him. He doesn't get fully fleshed out. He just gets a little more fleshed out, but not fully fleshed out. So I would have no problem with that. But I don't want to see him steal the show of a Lone Ranger. I don't want it to be about Tonto. Or if you are going to do that, then, you know, title your movie intelligently and have it be The Lone Ranger and Tonto. But the movie is called The Lone Ranger, so it really ought to be about him. So, I don't know. Yeah, but, we'll like find I say, out, we'll, you we'll know. find out, yeah. Trailers are sometimes very deceptive, as we've all found out. Very true. Very, very true. Well, a little bit of background on this real quick before we get into it. You know, of course, like I said, this came out in uh, in 81. Um, this was a Lord Grade production, which, uh, you know, God bless Lord Grade. He spent a ton of money on two movies that utterly bombed at the box office within about a year of each other. Um, this one and uh, Raise the Titanic, which I feel are both uh, not worthy of the just god-awful reputations that they have. But, you know, in, in the time that we've been doing this show, something that, that has come up again and again and again is, for me is, is people are always asking me about guilty pleasures. You know, what are your guilty pleasures? You know, what oh, so, so that you have a little guilt about your pleasure I, in this movie? I, I don't. Well, I, I guess I do and I don't. I will profess, and I don't know if I'm I've sort ever of hoping you do a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever if I've ever said this before, but I guess I don't really understand the term. You know what I mean? But if I did have to profess to something being, as I understand guilty pleasure, it, it's something that you acknowledge probably isn't very good, but you like it anyway. Is that right? Is that basically yeah? Guilty yeah, it's, it's it's something, you know, yeah, you know, it's not 
gonna win any awards, but for some reason, it just yeah, it just pushes your buttons. Okay, well, to a, to a degree, I will profess that then because um, I watched this again yesterday, you know, in preparation for this, ep- you know, doing this episode. I hadn't seen it in a couple years, but I do dig this one out um, every every so often and watch it. But it had been a while. Watching it again after a, a good bit. Um, I felt, for one, I felt the age was starting to show through a little bit. But I was able to see things now as an adult and everything that I don't think I noticed as blatantly as a kid. So, yeah, there's some real rough spot. I'm not going to say that this is like a cat, you know, the, you know, goddamn the Academy Award board for not giving this, yeah. you know, this best picture. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not a saying. A diamond that fell through the cracks. But at the same rate, you know, if you put it in context of where I was at the time I fell in love with this movie and you watch it from that perspective, I, I think that there are moments in the movie that, that really hold up. But I'll save that for when we get into it proper because I, I kind of want to, you know, lay it all out as, as we go along through it. So anyway, we are, uh, we've got the DVD here. We are paused uh, right ready to roll at the zero zero. So are we good to, good to go I'm ahead and start go. this thing? Yes, I am. All right, so we'll go three, two, one, go. So we got three, two, one, go. All right, here we go. We get the funky little, what is this, Granada International, which I have no idea. That must be who owns the rights to it now. So we got Lord Grade and Jack Rather present. So Dan's give brother. You a bit of, um, <laughs> to give you a little bit of background, on this movie, this movie, um, it has this just horrible, horrible reputation. Well, some of it is probably well deserved, but here's the thing for me: is that I suspect, as you and I ha- have experienced before with other things, that this is probably there, there's a large percentage of the folks that are out there that only know this movie by its reputation that basically just repeat some mantra they've heard on the internet or something or read in a book or whatever about how awful it is without actually experiencing it for themselves which is all ultimately i want to do with this commentary is just maybe there'll be something in what we say about it to intrigue somebody enough to want to check it out you know what i mean because i do think it has some you know well redeeming qualities. I think I find it a very enjoyable movie, despite you know some incredible shortcomings that it does well, have. Some, this movie was hyped up. This mm-hmm. was coming after like you know I mean super I mean Superman. We yep. can actually drag Superman into this Absolutely. because they they brought the character back, and this was sort of another iconic character, and they hyped it up. We're gonna the search for the actor who's going to play the Lone Ranger and Clayton I can never remember for sure if Clayton Moore was petitioning himself or whether other people were like... Here's what happened that doomed this movie, because this movie didn't even return its investment it didn't even make back the money they invested in making the movie, which is just horrible. Here's what happened. Clayton Moore who was the television Lone Ranger in the 1950s for so years is, after, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is just why, why'd you have to die? Is like, yeah. Some... By the way, that kid, um, John, the young John, uh-huh. is Sean Brody from Jaws 2. 
Oh, okay. Um, there's two things that I think garner the reputation this movie has. One is the story I'm going to tell here about um, Clayton Moore. The other one you're going to hear in a moment. This goddamn song that runs through this movie by yeah, it's by Merle Haggard. It's not by Merle Haggard. No, Some it's guy wrote it and made Merle Haggard sing it. It's awful. It's it's it not even really. It's it's like a country rap song because he's not even singing it. He's just speaking. It. His heart is not in it. You can tell. No, it's awful. Well, there's a lot of hot mess going on in this beginning. This childhood sequence at the beginning of the movie. There is where, where, where it makes me think they shot. See, this is looks to me. To be like they shot footage, and this maybe a, have been twenty minutes, right? You know, and there's a story behind this fight and and stuff, but something went wrong, something got diddled around, and they said let's montage this out and put you know the Dukes of Hazard narration over. Well, one of those the old Duke boys sitting around the fire and smoking the peace pipe one night, and. And it doesn't work. And there's weird. Here's here's one part right here where the Indian, you know, elder is speaking, and it's obviously dubbed in. Right. There's some like oh, the- really obvious dub parts where they were like, "Ah, oh, we gotta change this," you know. Well, one of the things that that you know, one of the criticisms I often hear leveled about this movie is that Clayton, uh, or excuse me, Clinton, rather, Spilsbury, the the star oh. that uh, that is the Lone Ranger. Is dubbed. I'm pretty sure everybody in this movie is dubbed. Maybe certain characters here and there, but like the Indians definitely are are dubbed. All the Indians are dubbed, which makes me think that there was story going on in the Indian village, and that they, uh, you know, they when they when they shortened the beginning of it, they. you know, they had to switch around some dialogue. Because some of it's naturally recorded dialogue. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hear the chief speaking. Right. And they're smart enough to do it a lot of times when someone's backs to you or they're backlit or something. Right. But it's, you know, it's like all of a sudden here's, you know, his brother just shows up and it's just like... Whoa, 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 but see, two things I think really do work well in this scene is... For one thing, this is the origin of the Lone Ranger. I mean, right. it's it's got it's had very little fiddle fart around with it. It's pretty no. much straight up from the original books. I like that. Plus, the Lone Ranger's origin is remarkably close to Batman's. And as our good uh, buddy Mike Bailey likes to point out, Batman's origin is one of those ones. One of the cool things about it is that. He's one of those characters that does lend himself to, um, you know, being uh, reimagined. Or I'm trying uh-huh. to remember how he and puts it. Where that- you, you can take him and put him in basically any time period, and that origin works. That's yep. why you've got things like Gotham by Gaslight, you know, where it happened back, you know, in the last century, or things like that. So that I think that's one of the reasons that this works as an origin story because it's essential that it's that it's it's a kid 
you know, he, he loses everything and becomes, you know, a, a force for justice and right. That, that's essentially what it is. And on that level, that's why it appeals to me. Because you got to remember, when this movie came out in 81, I mean, what other superhero movies were there really that were worth a crap? You had Superman the movie. You had Superman 2. That was about well, it, really. I mean, you know, I, Batman had to say, I think yet. this movie was made for kids. Oh, absolutely. I think it was made to appeal for kids because it's the simp, like the dialogue, everything about it. Uh, director of photography, Laszlo Kovacs, one of my favorite cinematographers of all time, did um, uh, Easy Rider and uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, really? Of all things, yeah. He, But he likes to film Western. He composes Western shots really nice. I think, yeah, I think the cinematography is gorgeous in this. Oh yeah, it's Lazo Kovacs. He's 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 an Oscar winner. Um, but I think what the problem with, with with this with the critics and you know I I I I saw this movie the first time a few hours ago <laughs> as a, as a forty five year old adult. See, I would swear that you and I saw this at some point. When I was living on West End Ave in Carthage when we were kids. But we were talking about this just before we got started recording. And you had pointed out that, you know, my dad, you know, my dad clearly controlled the TV in our house. Oh, yeah. Maybe we sat down to watch it at some point and he was like, ah, I want to watch Drag Races or something. He might have been doing it just for some fun because we would get 20 minutes into a movie and he'd be like, all right. Maybe yeah. he'd had enough of us goofing around and stuff, too. You right, know? yeah, trying to so drive us out of the room or something. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we never, we didn't usually sit and watch a movie in silence, <laughs> as we're doing, just like we're doing now. Well, you know, I discovered this on HBO. I did not see this in the theater. I discovered it through HBO, and this was one of those movies that they probably paid 50 cents for. Yeah. So they ran the living hell out of it, which was another reason I fell in love with it. So it's very possible that Dad had already, because he was a Western fan right. and a Ranger fan as a kid, he may have already seen it 15 times and been like, oh, I'm not sitting through that shit again, you know? Well, so as, 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 a West, you know? as a Western, uh, you know, if you're an enthusiast of Westerns, this probably wouldn't be the most exciting movie because it's like the most basic, it's like a starter Western for kids. That's it just exactly, hits all. Yeah. That is exactly the the purpose it served in my life because up until I saw this, I my father was a huge Western fan and tried like hell to get me interested in Westerns. I just never was. I always found them boring because they didn't have something in there that that I but then you come out with cases, man. Oh yeah, exactly. But then you come out with this movie that's essentially Batman in the old West and it's like suddenly you got that hook, you know? Yeah, Scott. Oh, imagine Scott Gardner enjoying a revenge movie. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, so the other thing besides this just horrible... By the way, one of these days, you and I, we're going to have to figure out this whole fan edit thing because I think this is a movie that is primed for a fan edit. Because if you could figure out a way to just take the song out of this movie would improve it a hundred percent right there because I think that I still think that's the biggest problem with this that god awful song I expect like halfway through an adventure to pause and be like well how's the Lone Ranger gonna get out this (laughs) time 
Looks like them uh, them Ranger boys is in for it. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Now, but anyway, <laughs> so the uh, the people that were that were making the movie they they bought the rights to the Lone Ranger. Clinton Moore or Clayton, I'm sorry, I keep screwing up the names because it's Clinton Spilsbury is the new yeah. guy. Clayton Moore is the original. So Clayton Moore. By this point, is he was kind of like the uh, um, what's his name, Batman? There, Adam uh, West. Adam, he was basically the Adam West of his generation, right? So he's making his living going around the country, appearing places as the Lone Ranger. Gets a cease and desist from the new people, the guys that are going to be making this movie, right? And it was completely the wrong PR move to make. It, it There was a massive backlash in the fan community because the, the Lone Ranger has rabid fans, or at least it used to. I don't know how big he is anymore, but he used yeah. to have rabid fan base. And so they were up in arms about the whole thing. So I'm of the opinion that this movie could have come out, been the greatest thing ever, and probably still not have done that well just because fans were pissed about the treatment of Clayton Moore. It's essentially like, you know, say Christopher Reeve was still alive today and making his living, literally, you know, putting bread on his table by going around the country appearing at shopping malls or something and signing autographs. And then suddenly, uh, you know, Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan are like, ah, 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 you can't be doing that. Take yeah. away from him. Imagine that happening. And that's essentially what happened here. And oh, yeah. And then they start petitioning for him to be the Lone Ranger, even though he was getting really long in the tooth. This here, you have to remember, this scene, totally before CGI or anything... Still one of the greatest movie stunts ever in any movie. And, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a stunt gone wrong. And they left it in the movie. The guy was actually supposed to climb up onto the... Whatever that thing is called. The bridle or whatever. And stop the thing. So this guy just got shot in the back. Uh Uh-huh. Keeled over. Just just keep that in mind. He's not dead. (laughs) He's not dead. I know. He shows up later with a bullet hole in his chest. Yep. And he's just walking around like nothing happened. And, um, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it is center mass, too. So he's I mean, this, this movie gives, if, if critics wanted to, it gives them all kinds of things. Oh, excuse me. They, they, the, Leonard Malton just destroys this movie in his Yeah. Movie. I mean, if he still even puts it out anymore. Spil- Spilsbury. He's not the greatest actor in the world. I, I'll, I'll just put. I suspect put that Clinton Spilsbury got this role because he, to me anyway, I think he greatly resembles Christopher Reeve. Yes, and like mixed with Donny Osmond or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. No, he's not a great actor, but he has stature. You know, he's he's got the look. Right, right. And I think that's why he got the job. He looks right in the mask, yeah. Never got another job, though. I'd love to know what he's doing today. I've never seen anything. I mean, he he has not acted again since this movie. Yeah, he probably... 
And I was heartbroken to find, uh, when I was doing a little bit of research yesterday, that uh, I can never remember that actress's name, but this was her first movie. She did not claim it on her bio. And uh, and she's dead now. She died in uh, I think it was nine. Yeah, see the bullet wound in him. <laughs> oh, it's in his back. Yeah, but look at him go. Hey, I got a bullet lodged in my spine, but I'm I'm feeling much so better West, now. He's heavy duty. I guess he is heavy duty. Or more Happens. rugged back then. They could they could get shot center mass and be like, ah, I'll just walk it off. <laughs> anyway, she's, some dust in it and yeah, you know, dry it out. She's dead now. She died in uh, in ninety five. Well, the thing is, she's not bad acting no, she's wise. Not, really, no. I she mean, they almost uh, Wilma Deering on Buck Rogers. Mm, that, uh, she would have looked very similar. It would have. Hate this narration. Old boss hog. This guy right here. The sheriff. The evil sheriff. Uh huh. If you watch Back to the Future 3, Marty walks into the into the saloon in the Old West, and he's the one that, he's the bartender. He's standing there polishing a glass. He goes, what'll it be, stranger? That's him. Just keep that in mind for uh, for later on in this movie. Yeah, but I mean, the dialogue in this is so simplistic. and <laughs> It is. But I, I'm see the thing is I'm I'm with you that I think this movie is aimed at kids. However, yeah. then you get to the massacre sequence, and that's <laughs> right. like peck and paw. I'm like, what? So I was reading a review of this, and I, I for the life of me, I had an awful time and trying. Swear, to there's like bursts of swearing too, like and pr- coming up here soon. His brother says, "Piss on the president." <laughs> There was a review I was reading that said one of the problems, as as the guy perceived it, one of the problems with this movie is it doesn't seem to know what audience it wants to aim for. Right. Because I engaged with this movie as a kid. And one of the reasons I still enjoy it today is that I look at it and go, I get it now. This movie is aimed at kids. This is a superhero movie. That's yeah. one of the reasons I really like it. Yes, it's a Western. Yes, it takes place in the Old West and all that. And it's got guns and horses and cowboys. But at its heart, this is a superhero movie. And that's it's why meant to get kids into the Lone Ranger. Exactly. And it's not trying to be Shakespeare. So on that level, I think it works. But... The other thing I, I really like about it is in the massacre sequence. I mean, I mean it is literally like peck and paw light because when there's get when the rangers are getting shot, you can see like chunks of flesh flying off these. Yeah, yeah. it's and really intense. There's 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 a few just like you know there's a lot of like people just getting shot and falling over like in an old western, but then there's times where there's a blood splatter behind them and mm-hmm. stuff. You're, when I was 10 years but old, I, I think the original Lone Ranger, and this is something I've been saving for my garage sale gloat for this this episode when we did it. But uh, I picked up a um, first edition of the Lone Ranger book, the first Lone Ranger book. Oh, yeah. Which looks like it was written, you know, for kids, probably for like, you know, 10. Actually, kids read really well back in those days. So it was probably for like 10, 11 year old kids, you know, 8 to 10 year old kids. And I think the TV show is meant for kids, too. Pretty much everything, the cartoon, everything that was the Lone Ranger, was it was made for kids. So 
by the time this movie came out, though, a lot of the people who were Lone Ranger fans were like us. <laughs> they were 45-year-old fans of the Lone Ranger from when they were kids. Right. And then they want to go see this movie. And they, they, they gave it a few swear words and stuff. But it's goofy, you know? If, as adults, they probably weren't getting the, you know... The Lone Ranger they, movie they wanted, but meanwhile, this movie's like, hey, you know, on the best level, we want to make kids like the Lone Ranger again, or on the most cynical level, we got to get Lone Ranger toys out there again, because right. they used to sell like hotcakes. It's funny you mentioned Lone Ranger toys, because that, prior to this movie, that was my identifier with the Lone Ranger. If I ever watched the TV show, I have no memory of doing so. I used to see I, it, catch it every once in a while on cable, but it was never really stuck in my head. I knew who he was because when I was a kid, I mean a really young kid, had to be prior to being seven because that's when we moved from Florida back to New York. I My father had gotten me, who was the toy company that put out the Lone Ranger figure? They I think were, it was Ideal. Ideal, yeah. It was ideal because they were they were doing the, the uh, uh, evil Knievel stuff right at the same time, and Ideal put out these figures that were basically they were Mego figures, but they were a little bit bigger. You know, they were taller, a little bit broader, and, and much more articulate. Yeah, and, you know, they, and they were solid. They weren't hollow plastic. Yeah. I, I actually remember a couple years back, I found those at a garage sale. It was Lone Ranger and Silver. Yep. And uh, um, like a chuck wagon yep. that went along with them. There was a whole set. And my father, I know I had the Lone Ranger and Silver. And I think he might have gotten me Tonto and Scout as well. But I can't remember. But I know I had the Lone Ranger and Silver. And I loved them. They were some of my favorite, my absolute favorite toys. And when my folks split up... Basically, my mother and I, like, like my mother scooped me up and we, like, as I recall, I think we left in, like, the middle of the night kind of thing. And I was able to take, like, a couple things with me and that was it. And left all my toys behind, never to see them again. And what got left, some of the things that got left behind was my Lone Ranger and Silver. And it was, like, year, like, decades before I got a replacement uh, Lone Ranger figure. But that was my identifier with the Lone Ranger was that figure. And, uh, you know, so I didn't really have any connection to another incarnation. That's why I, I clicked with this one when it came Which along. Well, By I the remember the played out for all those toys. Right, yeah. Remember there was one where they had... It was the, the the jingle of it was you know the William Tell overture, right? And I just remember like some of the lyrics were, um, you know, um, even wrestle with Butch Cavendish. It's Lone Ranger. That's that right. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, uh, ride on his white horse, silver, and pretend to make a stand. When and, uh, when was the Lone Ranger animated? I was going to say animated, was, uh, the cartoon because that was on with like Tarzan and the Super that, Seven and that was when we were that was elementary school. Okay, so I have to take it back a little bit because I did watch that and I enjoyed that. Yep. So all right, so I take it back. I I did at least have that much knowledge of him from watching that. But uh, but yeah, I don't I do not recall ever seeing the the Clayton Moore Jay Silverheels one. I don't know that I would like it because 
after I finally got this on video, when this came out in video in the in late eighties, early nineties, I was working in video when it came out. And do you remember that really? I cannot remember the name of it, but there was that really shitty quality fly-by-night video company that came out and was buying up all that public domain stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not buying it up, but like just producing like like bargain basement uh, public domain stuff and just churning it out like Gulliver's Travels and yeah. I can't remember the name of them. I can't. There were a fun time was one of them. Fun time. That was it. That was it. That was it. Was fun time, and we used to have them at Saturday matinee. And I bought the one for the Lone Ranger. It was the first three episodes of the television series in black and white, and as it turned out, was this story. It was the origin of the Lone Ranger. The quality was horrible, but I paid like a dollar ninety nine or something for it. Yeah, a dub of a dub of a dub. So I watched it, you know, just to see, and I was both pleasantly surprised that for as much as people bitch about it, it's the exact same story. I mean, this movie really doesn't take liberties with the story much at all. But that original one, granted, I was watching it, you know, in the in the late eighties or early nineties. You know, a show from the early 50s. But it was rough, man. Like like when the Lone Ranger would shoot Cav- you know, some of Cavendish's people and they'd fall off a cliff or something. I mean, it was plainly like stuffed clothes. You know, just yeah. like a dummy falling off you know, and hitting and bouncing off. And it was just ridiculous. But I don't know. People really, they still, you know, like, like my dad and people from that generation, they, they loved that show. You know, that was just their thing. Another. I, hmm? oh, I was just gonna say, I, I imagine it's probably very similar to today. You know, you've got us with like Christopher Reeve, and then you know the, all the all the kids are probably gonna identify with this new thing that are coming out. It's probably very similar to that, I would imagine. I'm oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? Another thing I noticed about this movie is the music's by John Barry, mm-hmm. and it's western style music but every once in a while you hear that John Barry James Bond swankiness come through it and I'm not listening to it very loud now but there's a few key parts that it's just like this you can just tell it's a John Barry score it's one of my favorites but on a level of it's one of my favorites because it's one of my favorite movies and I was while I was watching this yesterday, I was really paying extra attention to the score because this one does not have, you know, like a complete release anywhere that I'm aware of. And while I was listening and really paying attention, it's not really until the final battle sequence at the end that it truly kicks into anything really resembling a, a, a great John Barry score. The end part is really, really good. And Oh, the bre- the Breaking of Silver is really good, too. I always like that track a lot. But other than that, it's kind of a pedestrian John Barry score. It's funny that they call it the Breaking of Silver because it seemed just the opposite to me. <laughs> <laughs> he was breaking the... Silver was in control of that whole situation, it seemed like. Man, his brother's got a tall hat, man. His brother, I forget the actor's name right there, something something Perry. That is Matthew Perry's father. Oh, that's funny. 
Matthew Perry from uh, from Friends, Chandler from Friends. Yeah, yeah, I thought she was on I thought the show it, too at some point. He kind of looks like Rick Perry, the nice party. Who's no. Rick Perry? Rick Perry, the governor of Texas. Oh, okay. <laughs> now it should be noted that uh, his girlfriend there and her uncle, their last name is Stryker. That that's the name of the creator of the the Lone Ranger. Fran Stryker was the 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 creator of the Lone Ranger. I don't like your column. I just want to make sure. See, that's what happened in the days before the internet. Now you just get banned and blocked. Yep, exactly. In those days, you had a crowd of guys with masks come into your into your place. Well, some days I still expect that to happen the way the way the internet goes. Some days. You know what? Thank you. Look at this guy. Come on, dude. This guy's just like crowd right over. Yeah, he is. He's a he's a fast operator. He's moving in for the kill. Still, better romantic acting than Star Wars Episode Two. I. I knew you were going to make a Hayden Christensen joke. I just knew. Well, this, I mean, this scene is almost right out of episode two where she tells him, or episode three where she tells him she's pregnant, you know, sort of. It's just got a very similar feel to it. Oh, you're wrong, dude. You are so wrong. (laughs) That's. Come on, do the Kirk mash, man. (laughs) Do the Kirk mash. Excellent opportunity for the Kirk mash. Now, now we should we we should stop kissing, and just in time for you to go away forever and make me think I'm an idiot. That was fast. See, I particularly think that the little Spanish kids are dumb. (laughs) I mean, how rude is that? They killed a kid too. <laughs> he falls into a vendor full of skeletons. Oh, Day of the Dead skeletons. Yep. That's a nice little. Yeah, there's that. there's little touches where they tried in this, and I don't know if it was the set designers or or what. It but it's weird, you know. And I, this is a pretty intense scene for the kiddies too. One thing I noticed is that I think the sound editor had a, a real blast with this because if you listen to it, there's a lot of stuff off on the fringes of conversations of people, you know, making like little smart ass remarks or especially when the Rangers are riding into the ambush, there's a lot of side dialogue and stuff. And, and like at, at uh, Cavendish's camp, a lot of his henchmen. They're saying things, you know, all, you know, it's all off screen. You don't well, yeah, yeah. see them, and they're saying, you know, it's almost like the stormtroopers talking in Star Wars. Well, you know? sometimes they're ridiculous. There was one part, I think, where someone goes, What's happening? I don't know. Let's let me, go take a look. Yeah, let me get my <laughs> yeah. pants on. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. You know, things that people never say. I don't know. Let's go take a look. You know, people just go take a look. Please come back. Yeah, I don't like that line. I, I will not deny that is it that like has your handmaiden behind her. Some... <laughs> what the hell is that? Maybe her aunt? I don't know. 
I mean, I won't deny that there's not some some real cheese to it, but oh I think yeah, that's you part can't of deny it. <laughs> that, Try I mean, to deny it all you want, man. That's I mean, you were saying Michael Bailey, it, to put it kindly, is not a fan of this movie. No, and I can see why. I can see why somebody would not be a fan. I can, but with him. It kind of surprises me because I I really expected him of all people would look at this and instantly get what I get out of it and look at it and go oh okay it's Batman in the old way okay I get that because that is very much what it is. Yeah, maybe it's the well you know I mean that's the concept of it but maybe the uh, execution of it was what was left to be desired with him. You know I get the impression huh I get the impression with this movie that it was so hyped up and there were so many fingers in the pie that it got diddled with. It wasn't like a great movie that got ruined with by tinkering with it, but it just got it just got tinkered with a little a little bit and was maybe hurriedly cast or maybe they spent all their money on Jason Robards. Could be. So, you know, it So it's, the, the, it's either pod racing or um, <laughs> um, the third Indiana Jones movie. See, I to a degree, even I think, or, or even you, I think, are being a little bit harsh on it because it, it's not trying to be. Well, that's because I saw, I saw it. It's it, just it, trying to be a, a, a fun, you know, light western. I think mostly aimed. I think they're trying to do aimed at kids. For I think that's the prime. I think there's basically oh, yeah. three audiences that they're aiming at or hoping the rope in is that you got kids, obviously. Then you've got you know the, the guys you were talking about, the nostalgia crowd that grew up with the Lone Ranger, and they're hoping to draw those people in. And then you're trying to get the guys that. Um, are just into westerns because this is where this movie turns into a genuine western a la Peckinpah for a little bit. And then it right after this it essentially goes back into kitty fair again. So it does vacillate and I don't deny that at all. Well even even so in kitty movies, you know, Bambi's mom dies. Yeah, but you, you don't can have that, that awful this is chunks of meat blowing out of her either you know i mean right it's all right <laughs> because that's what i'm saying this is a scene i will vigorously mean, uh, vigorously defend right here is the massacre sequence because like they could have but done this like an episode of Gunsmoke with every single one of the rangers getting shot and killed in the old uh, oh you got me and fall but they don't i mean they get massacred and you see it happen you see the blood and the chunks of flesh and I mean it's pretty brutal for the time that it is. I mean they used, you know, squibs and, and the whole nine yards. I mean they really tried to make it Well, I mean that was old hat in movies at this time, but it was old hat in R rated movies. Right. right. You know? <laughs> I mean not in Yeah, it was uh this was a weird time period because that was happening a lot. Remember that movie, uh, Dragon Slayer? Yes. And Roger Ebert went nuts with it because it was like a, a sword and sorcery aimed at kids movie. 
But then the princess goes to like be sacrificed to the dragons, and the baby dragons are like tearing chunks of flesh. Yeah. She's dead, and they're like, you know, feeding on her corpse, but like pulling pieces of rubbery flesh off her yeah. and stuff. That's a so, movie I wouldn't mind us doing sometime. I, like I haven't that. seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that in years. I wonder how it holds up. I love I the the design of the dragon and that. I would imagine that probably holds up pretty darn well. Because I remember, I, while I have not seen it in many a year, I know I saw it a lot of times when I did see it. Because that was another one of those HBO ones that we would watch all the friggin' time. Because it was essentially Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings. Because it had yeah. the whole Luke and Obi-Wan thing. You know, it had the princess and, you know, all of that. That was a good movie. I enjoyed that one a lot. I enjoyed it too. That was a really good one. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what we're going to do next time because we definitely uh, we we spurred some conversation. What was that on the forum or on Facebook about Transformers? Oh right. <laughs> have to do that at some point. We haven't even talked about Christopher Lloyd yet. He's he's he had a scene there earlier. I know. He, well, here he was wearing his, his in his last scene. He had the priest yeah, collar he's on, and this he looks like Torquemada. <laughs> you can't Torquemada anything. Let's get the hell out of here. He looks like the, he looks like nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> to come shoot you in the gully and in the head. See, seeing him in this, I don't know how people would have felt about him back then. I, I guess it was probably perfectly fine. But seeing him in this now... He's dialed back, actually, in this. He, he is, but it's just weird that retroactively, I think he hurts the movie a little bit, only because he's so identified as Doc Brown now. I see him in this, and it, it, it must be similar to, like, say, DeForest Kelly. You know, DeForest Kelly got his star as a heavy in westerns, and I've seen some of those westerns, and it's just laughable to me that Doctor McCoy's, you being know, a badass, being a badass, you know, yeah. being a bad guy in the old west. It's like, what the hell? So I see Doc Brown kind of the same way. You know, it's like I just don't see him as a badass, even as Krug the Klingon. I keep expecting him to <laughs> see. I like this part with the, with the Gatling gun. That's cool. See? Big old chunk. There is one... See? There is one... Real, yeah, there's one real... Uh, um, Gunsmoke bonanza moment coming up here. Right here with the old timer. Where there's I like, like this scene. But you know just where it's going. Yeah. Just reading a review of this. just has just enough time to say his story yep. and then it's like... Catches one in the gut. Oh, what a drag. There's a lot of people get dragged in this movie. Yeah, I like this scene. This guy's just chatting about it. It's not the bullet that gets you. It's the fall. And then he gets shot. I like that, and I just read a review where that was the guy's major beef with the movie. He goes, oh, the dialogue is so horrible. This guy says, you know, it's not the bullet that gets you, and then the bullet gets him. I'm like, yes, it's called irony, dumbass. You know, I like it is that. irony, but it was just, it was 
it was a nice try. <laughs> See, this scene with, with John and his brother, to me, is just brutal. It's RoboCop. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It is RoboCop. We were together. See, another big old chunk. Break out the hymn books, boys. It's all, yeah. all over. Pull. <laughs> Pick up the hymn books, boys. It's all over. <laughs> I love that line. He just reminds me of Dabney Coleman. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? I was thinking, I don't know. Oh my God, I can't believe you said that because I was just thinking about him the other day oh. about Dabney Coleman. He's Dabney Coleman in um in um the and oh what is it the Mel Brooks Western? He was in oh yeah he was what was that Blazing Saddles? Blazing Saddles. Yeah. He was in a bunch of he was in nine, that's why I was thinking of him. Nine to Five is a, is a song. Yeah playlist at work and i was i was think it got me to thinking about that song when i or the, about the movie when i heard the song and then i got to thinking about uh what was the one with chevy chain modern modern time problems our modern problems that was it modern problems and i was thinking man he was in like every friggin comedy movie yeah. of childhood and then all of a sudden he just up and disappeared right uh I mean, he's not dead or something is he i don't know he was like the harvey corman of movies yeah, yeah. I mean, I know his son is dead, but I don't know if he he's dead. The that day in um, Gary Coleman. I know Gary Coleman's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were related. It was his son. Dabney and Gary? Yeah, he looked just like him. Yeah, but that's just Hollywood trickery. Had mustache and everything. <laughs> that guy's got a mustache there. That's the only piece of that stupid narrative song that I like in the entire... That makes any sense, yeah. Bloody Brothers side by side, I always like that. Well, you can tell that somebody handed Merle Haggard the lyrics in the studio, and he was like, really? (laughs) Yeah, it all rhymes. Yeah, I see how it rhymes. Some of it... Merle Haggard was a great songwriter, and this is definitely not great songwriting. It's like... Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Something I I think that uh, that you would really enjoy. Maybe we'll we'll put it in uh, Comics Monthly Monday at some point. Is Dynamite? Um, I don't know if they're still publishing it right now or not. If they are, they're doing it in. I think they're doing it in like miniseries or something. But they acquired the rights to the Lone Ranger. Oh, and they they have been doing Lone Ranger comics, and the first major arc that they did when they started it up was the origin story, and you know, granted, it's a it's a uh, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the you know not iconic, but you know what I mean a um, like when something is a, is a big 
template. A really well-known story. Well, you know, a, a template for how how stories or characters Boiler are... Boilerplate? No, you know, they call Superman this all the time, that he's the, uh, you know, the su- he's Superman-like character. Archetype. Archetype, thank you. That that this origin story is kind of an archetype sort of story. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even so, and it, as derided as this movie is, I can't help but feel that the the creators of that arc, at least that first origin arc of that comic weren't looking at this movie at least occasionally because man there's a lot of it that seems lifted right out of this but that's really good because it fills in a lot of the gutters that I feel are left with this movie like where's the whole silver thing come from Yeah, with, with the silver bullet and everything it's never really adequately explained in this movie and no, Tonto just sort of talks and he does he, he talks in the way Indians did in this with sort of mumbo jumbo stuff that doesn't when you think about it it's like he's like in the in the year of the sun and it's like what year of the sun right there's been many years but of I, the sun you I know. tell you what though despite those shortcomings and and despite the fact that I'd love to have more Tonto in this movie because I like Michael Horse and I think he did a really good job in this doesn't look, he almost looks like he's not American Indian. Either. He is. He's a hundred percent. I know, and that's the funny thing, though. He looks. He does. He and he, very he, proud he, of it too. He looks very. Uh, he's got very streamlined, Caucasian features. You know, <laughs> he's got the hair and the and the dark skin. But he's. You know, I I always picture Tonto as having that. You know. I mean, it's stereotypical, but it's like, you know, the, the Indian who was crying by the side of the road when people littered sort of right. like, you know, the really sharp nose right? and the skin that's sort of sandblasted from being out in the desert all See, the time. I'm just glad. I'm just so thankful that they let him be intelligent in this. Yes. Because that is one of the things that makes me nuts when I'll go back and and watch the old TV show or especially like read the older comics or or basically any version of the Lone Ranger prior to this movie, it might as well have said, you know, instead of his faithful Indian companion, his retarded Indian companion because he talked like an idiot. He he would say things like, yo... You know, me go him to town. You know, it was very like you know. Today they would look at like it and say it was racist or, or yeah. whatever. I don't think it was so much racist. Well, it's like it step just, and fetch it sort of stuff, you know. Kinda, but I mean, it was, that's how it was portrayed, and it it just made him seem stupid. See, this scene right here, I really, really like, except for the fact that. It, it sets up just enough of Tonto to really intrigue me without giving you any more because he says, you know, the white man has taken away from, you know, from me, my wife and my child. And that gives him a motivation for what he was doing. But then they never really go into it anymore. It's kind of they skip over his story to get back to John's story. And I really would like to have gotten more of this. There, you know, there very well might have been, and it might have been cut out, you know? Yeah, that's possible. I get the big... I, I really get the big feeling that in the beginning you, you saw more of, like, you know, him being being accepted into the tribe and proving himself. Right. And, 
and stuff like that. The version you're talking about of wanting of Tonto, come to think of it, again, I think you would like that uh, that series from Dynamite because the Tonto in that is very much the kind of Indian you're describing. He did look like the, that uh, you know the Indian by the side of the road. He was this huge. guy looks like he just washed his face with Kamei. Right, well, this guy was huge, chiseled, sandblasted face. And uh, and very taciturn. You know, he spoke intelligently, but he rarely spoke. Yeah, he he was. Uh, yeah, but he was massive. You know what I mean? And he was kind of there to be more of uh, of John's kind of instructor slash bodyguard, and just a badass, a total badass, which was really and interesting. Anybody wants to freeze frame the film? I'm pretty sure That's Silver female has female horse. genitalia. Yeah, that is a girl horse. Because it kills me later in the breaking of Silver scene where he keeps walking up and he's going, Easy boy. Easy. He Easy says he boy like 15 times. Yeah, it's that no wonder the horse is getting pissed. <laughs> Good line coming up here. You need a bigger target. Bigger target. Like a sleeping buffalo. buffalo. I love that. <laughs> a silver bullet. It's more accurate. It's so funny because it's like, yeah, the Lone Ranger uses silver bullets because he's a shitty shot. <laughs> well, what's funny is, you know, Tonto says in this that, you know, tribal chiefs started using silver. And he gives this whole explanation. Well, if that's true, then, you know, why, why did they get slaughtered, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if they had access to this silver, then could they have maybe bought their way out of some of their troubles or something? (laughs) I don't know where it comes from. I I don't know if it's from the original novels or what, but in that Dynamite comic series, it was explained that um, John had a silver mine. I'm trying to remember how he acquired it. I don't know if it was left to him or Tonto knew of it or something, but anyway... He and Tonto basically operated out of, basically it was like the Bat Cave. That was their base of operations, but it was an old silver mine. And so he had access to all the silver he could ever want for making his bullets. Make bullets, yeah. And I liked that. I thought that was really, really cool. That's Made. a really good series. I think you would enjoy it. It was very well written. Because it's basically, it's this story... But it's addressing all the points that, that you're making about, you know, it needed better writing and, you know, motivations and things well, like that. It, it essentially, it, it does that. As far as it needing better writing, I don't know if this needed better writing. It just needed to get the kids in to see it. But then again, the kids were all into space stuff here, so it was, yeah. like, also bad timing. Yeah, horrible timing. Yeah. Yeah, this is like no other horse has ever been tamed or caught or anything. This is just so so easy, it's hilarious. I won't hurt you. I do I like this scene. I've always thought this scene was cool. It reminds me of uh uh the black stallion. A little bit. I don't know if you ever never, saw that. No, I've never Stallion. seen that. You never saw that movie? No. Oh, that's a fantastic movie. That's one of those movies where 
there's a whole, you know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes of the movie with really no dialogue. It's just this kid and a horse on a on an island and becoming friends. That sounds like a spellbinder. <laughs> it's awesome. It, it's awesome. No, I, I've heard Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney is in it. Does he say? You ever notice horses? That's Andy Rooney. Andy <laughs> Rooney, Mickey Rooney. What's the difference? Like any wild animal would just let you blindfold them like that. Oh my god, that horse would be flipping out. But then there's the mystical bond. Exactly. The horse chosen. They were destined to be together. This scene is funny because that horse is obvious. There's a horse in one scene that's obviously a little yellower. And these are him on a bar- I love, I'm just like, I can see the guys like shaking the barrel. Because there's no way they were going to put this guy on a bucking bronco, you know, and have him break his, break his neck. He does take a nasty tumble, though. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, they never actually show him, you know, the scenes where he's making those faces and stuff. He's on a barrel, yeah. They're just... See, I don't see any, um... What? Horse pee-pee there. (laughs) They killed Silver's, uh... No, I I think I remember hearing that at the time, that that was... One of those things. Like Lassie? Also, I think, uh, I think the Lone Ranger, uh, the change of his Lone Ranger drawers. <laughs> I saw that, too. Did yeah. you see that, too? Yeah, he had a little, uh, he had a little yeah. case of the, the green apple trots going on. Who, yeah, who wouldn't in this case? See, the horse likes him. <laughs> yeah. oh, come on, buddy, try again. That's what I'm telling you. The horse is the one who's manipulated. The horse is the one who's been coming up and been like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Tonto, his body language there looked like one of the apes from Planet of the Apes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty horse i hate horses but that is a pretty horse this this music is very very john barry yeah i like this but this can be just about any john barry movie it's it's not particularly attached to this movie if you know what i mean but i like it as a piece of music i like it see i wish i knew how to break down the you know that that's where that's where your friend Mark would be great to like break down what because there's like what always clues me onto a John Barry sc- score is those horns. You know, there's always horns. Yeah, like, in Western movies, usually don't have a lot of horns in it. No, but he makes them work, and it doesn't sound like swanky '60s style. This Check this. I love that. Uh, 
I just think that's cool because now I you're just, ramping up the the comic book element again. You know, this is this is Batman getting his batarangs or something. Yeah. You know, I will not be herded like soldiers. Sheep you just spent fifty dollars shooting those arrows, but it was worth it. <laughs> I am man. You think there are people go like whenever the Lone Ranger would go to bed, they're like fifty yards down from his shooting range, digging those things out of the ground. Hell yeah! If once the word gets out that they're silver, yeah, absolutely. Or he sends Tano back to dig him out later so he can use him again. This scene is almost directly out of the television show. All the rangers were killed in the massacre. And only then It's lit very similarly. The dialogue's almost exactly the same. Well, once again, it's it's a western. Yeah. You know, and it's it's adhering to the iconic and Really, I mean, what did they have? To, what were they going on? Probably the most with this was the TV show. That was the last really big incarnation oh, yeah. of the Lone well, Ranger. I mean, I mean, he was in the cartoon, but that's it was a Saturday morning cartoon, and it wasn't like it wasn't a mania like it was when it was originally on TV. Now look at the cinematography there; it's just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's Lazo Kovacs. It, it's a combination of, of Batman at his parents' graveside swearing war on all criminals, but it's also a little bit of the Superman the movie, you know, when Superman was in the cemetery with his mother after his father died. Yep, and then they suit up. and yep, they do the reveal. I love it. I, I think that's awesome. See, this this pushes the cheese right into Absolutely the Absolutely it does. That's why I love it. Come on, it's 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 a comic book movie. It's made to be a little bit cheesy, but I mean, hey, it's Kirk Rock. I just think, I just I think this music works here, but that there's a couple times when they play that we'll get to it later on, where the where the William Teller overture doesn't quite work. They only play it three times. They play it right here. They play it when he comes to save Tonto from being hanged, which is my favorite scene of the entire movie. That's the most appropriate use of it. And then they play it at the at the grand finale when he and Cavendish face off yeah. each other. I don't think I don't think that I I wouldn't have made that choice as a director because the thing about it is once that fight starts and the music happens, you know when the fight's going to end. Because it's going to end when the song ends. You know, it's going to be a last punch. There's no other way it can. It's it's written in stone from that. You can't have the Lone Ranger get knocked out in that. Not with his triumphant music playing. You know. Yeah, I mean that. I think that adds to it. It adds to that scene because then the music at that point is telling that story. And like you say, then you know it's well, going to... it's telling you. Yeah, it's telling... But it's taking away some suspense, you know, by saying, oh, don't worry. <laughs> Here's the part where the Lone Ranger beats... But that's what you want to see at that point in the movie. You want to see him beat the hell out of the bad guy and, and you know, kill him or take him in, whichever he's going to do. Yeah, but you always want to, like, have the, have the element of risk involved in it. Here comes another blood splatter up ahead oh, here. Yeah, that's a nasty one, too. You're too late, mister. 
See, I like this scene right here. I think here this scene he worked looks, really well. It does. He looks up at him. This is a scene that was missing from all of the Christopher Nolan movies. A scene where a guy's just hanging out. The hero comes in to intimidate him. The guy looks up and goes, what the hell are you wearing? Which is exactly what he just did. He looked up at him and saw the mask and was like, the hell are you wearing a mask for? He was thought he was a robber. Never yeah. did that in in the Nolan Batman, or at least the two that I saw. Nobody ever looked at Batman. I mean, in the very first, for all of its flaws, in the first Tim Burton Batman movie, the Joker looks at Batman and just goes, "Nice outfit," which is a great line because he's acknowledging you look ridiculous. Right, right, and I like that because I think. When you take the comic book world and put it in the real world, at some point there has to be an acknowledgement of the absurd or it becomes more absurd. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? It, it just becomes implausible. Yeah. Not absurd, yeah. That never happened. In the, you know, for everybody lauds those movies as being so awesome and so wonderful and that is a huge oversight in those movies is there's not one person that ever looks at christopher or uh what's his name um bale christian bale and goes what the hell are you what, what do you have on you look like an asshole you know they never do that and it really needed to happen at some point it needed to happen so that he could slap them down Improve what a badass he is, so that nobody ever does it again. Okay, my question here. Ow! Yeah, why not just shoot the Lone Ranger in the back? (laughs) That's a good question. You know, in in thirty years of watching this movie, I've never thought of that before. That would that would have solved a lot more problems. The mask, man. I want to know who shot Eddie, because if it wasn't the barkeep who's standing right there behind Tonto, then who the hell shot him? I was just guessing that the barkeep shot him and then ran around (laughs) the building real quick and came in the front. I don't know. I I was assuming it was. If I ever meet either Christopher Lloyd or John Zemeckis, I have got to ask... Is the train and time machine sequence in Back to the Future 3 a reference to this scene right here? Because oh, yeah. I mean, come on. You've got the water tower. You've got the train. You've got the, the scale. Th- it's, it's almost exactly the same scene. I would love thing is, no, it's, That's like an obscure like reference it. because I like how it's like a... Um, it's like a roller coaster. You have to get it on the hill before it catches and just rolls on its own. I I tend to think it might be only for the fact that you've got Christopher Lloyd is the bad guy, and then this guy right here, the evil sheriff, is the bartender. And then all those years later, they shoot they like, hey. together again in Back to the Future 3. I, I think that's neat. Nice little connection between them. Prick. I like this guy's line right here. It's pretty hard to troll him, and he's just got that redneck look on his face. Yep. That that like racist redneck like yeah, you're about 
about to have us a little right. party with you, I'm buddy. I'm pretty sure I've seen that town in other westerns, too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, like... It's probably in some backlot somewhere. Yeah, they they pull out, like, the fronts of all those buildings and... Bunch of racist assholes. Alright. Go ahead, get it out of the way right now. Make all the fun you want. This is the helicopter sequence from Superman the movie. I love this part. It's cheesy... It's kind of goofy, but I love... I would watch this movie over and over on HBO just to to see this scene. I think this scene works awesomely. Because you have all this tumult, all this noise, all leading up to this moment, and then there's a nice, quiet little lull while they're just waiting for for the floor to drop out from under Tonto, and then all of a sudden that's when the hero makes the scene. It's perfect. See, this is this is the part. If I if I was a director, I would have kept the music in this part, and that's it. I think that would have been like. See, it's like what thirty seconds. It's awesome. It gives you everything you need. He's just established his legend right there. I, lo- I think that's awesome. I really, really like that scene. I'd still be pissed if I was Tonto afterwards. <laughs> and a giant ape trying to bust through the gate. It's like, at this point, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She's in the movie, too. (laughs) This scene, I used to like this scene when I was a kid. Now, watching it as an adult, I don't understand both the necessity for the scene or what what they were. I don't understand what they were going for. Because, like you say, yeah, you kind of forgot the girl at this point. She has obviously moved on with her life. She believes John's dead. And he comes back in just to basically intrigue her into thinking that maybe he's still around or something. I don't know. I, I just, well, they were maybe they were thinking, uh, you know, there'll be a, there could be a sequel. Ah, here, Richard Farnsworth, one yep. of my favorite actors of yep. all time. I love that guy. There were action figures of all of these guys, and I have them. I've got, because they had Custer. um, I don't know if they had both Wild Bill and Buffalo Bill, but I know they had one or the other. Maybe both, but I know one or the other of them. They had the Lone Ranger, they had Tonto, and they had Butch Cavendish, and then I think they had horses for... Um, the Lone Ranger, Tonto, and Butch, too, I believe. And then there was that playset that you could send away for. And I never had the horses or the playset, but I have all of the figures from Legend of the Lone Ranger. I love them. I've still got them somewhere. I was very proud of that. I have no idea how rare or what they may, they may be in 
eBay for you know the entire lot for three dollars or something. I have no idea, but I was always proud of having collected all of them. I they may be rare, but I don't know if there would even just be a lot of demand for because I've noticed that a lot of Lone Ranger and Roy Rogers stuff used to be really collectible. Mm-hmm. And now it's not so much because yeah. a lot of the people are dead. You know, they they got old and yep. and died, and there hasn't been anything to really rope people into the Lone Ranger on a mass scale. No, not for a while. Today, You know, come to think of it, thinking of that, I'm sure I got those figures because of this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, having seen the movie, which means this movie had to have come to HBO like mighty fast for the toys to still be in stores. You know what I mean? Well, no, because well, sometimes toys hung around a lot. You might have gotten them in the bargain bin too. You know, they might have been on the maybe marked down on the wall. You know, because. They were nice figures too because they were they were the size of Star Wars figures, but they were more articulate, or at least their knees bent. Which is the th- one thing I always wish the Star Wars figures had was that their knees would bend. Their arms were still straight; they didn't bend at the elbow or anything. But they they did have the knees that bent so they could sit on their horses. But the sculpts were just they were that much nicer. They actually looked like the characters and everything. And uh, they were just really nice figures. And their hands would actually hold their accessories, which was another thing. Sometimes the Star Wars figures, depending on the figure, weren't so good at that. But, like, the Lone Ranger would really grip onto his six, you know, his six shooters. And then Tonto had a gun and a knife. Um, Cavendish had a gun. And I can't remember if the other characters had guns or anything or not. I don't remember now. I'll have to dig those out one of these days. That's a cheesy bit of dialogue right there. Let's go, Silver. Come on, Scout. Yeah. Yeah. That was just there so we know, so we finally have heard Scout's name. Yep. So you know what what figure to buy when you go to the store, which which right. goes with the action figure. Well, I like I like Grant already. He's drinking and smoking. Oh yes. He's I'm like, "Oh, come on. This is a skinny Grant. Grant was a heavy guy." But he pulls it off. He does. He's he's I can't believe that we've had a whole scene with him and I and we haven't talked about him yet because He's great. I love Jason. In, uh, the instant you see him with the snifter of brandy in his hand, it, it, you it, you realize, you know, okay, here's a real actor. And he he's one of my favorite actors anyway. He's, he's so good. perfect. Because he's got that, you know, lung cancer voice, you know, or throat cancer voice. You know, he's, he's hard drinking. He's witty and... He's cussing, and he's he's classic Jason Robards, but he's giving you enough to make it feel like, hey, this really is Ulysses S. Grant. You know, it's 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 great. I think the the real Ulysses S. Grant would probably be swearing more, probably. But I like that when he's done like talking to everybody, he's like, I'm gonna go take a nap. 
<laughs> just sleep it off. Did they talk about the buffalo yet? Because that's one of my favorite well, scenes in this. Here it is, right here. These hills were parked with buffalo. Been here three days, and I've seen a single one. Cody, what happened to him? I shot him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. He looks like that country singer, and I can't think of his name. These times, there's no laughing Who Grant or... Oh, Buffalo, Buffalo that guy right there. What's that? Oh, no, he looks like that Engel guy from the blue-collar, redneck, blue-collar tour. Oh, you're right. You know who I'm talking right. about? Oh, I thought you meant Sean Engel. <laughs> I think his name's Bill Engel. Bill Engel, that's it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. But you notice none of them heard that guy stomping across the roof of there. I, th- I thought of that car. today while I was watching, or yesterday when I was watching this. That yeah, they never hear the footsteps or anything. Plus, again, you got like I keep saying, you know, you got to remember, I fell in love with this movie as a kid, so I'm seeing all these flaws now as an adult right. but on a kid level, like basically on a on a, like a like a comic book, like a Silver Age comic book reader level, you know. That's where this movie works best for me. But so something that never occurred to me as a kid, but definitely occurred to me watching it again, is not only the guys running along the roof of the train, but they just happen by, as far as I can tell, complete dumb luck that when they pull their heist of the president, they pick the exact moment when he's gone to his car to retire. Right. How the hell did they know? Because if they'd have done it ten minutes earlier... They would have got an empty car because Grant was in the other car. He was either in the other car with the guys or the guys were in there with him in his car, the one that they, one or the other. They wouldn't have gotten, they either wouldn't have gotten the president or they would have gotten the president and been facing, you know, Custer, Cody, and, uh, and Hickok. Would probably kick their asses. Well, that's what I, I I was I was so disappointed that there wasn't more. I was thinking that this was going to build towards an ending that would feature them kicking some ass alongside with the Lone Ranger. They you know? do. They but, do. At the end of the movie, they all come in. Yeah, but it's like not. I. The, they're just sort of brought in, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I, that. It's like that scene in Attack of the Clones where where Yoda it's lands. The cavalry, with, it's yeah, literally, cavalry it, comes it, in. It has the cavalry music, but I, you know what I really wanted? I wanted to see Farnsworth do more because he's great. He's a great character actor, yeah, but nobody really, knew it at this time. I, you know? I, oh man, I can't believe you're saying because they they do. They all get their little their little moment. Not and, enough. Not well, maybe not enough. But I mean, it's the Lone Ranger's movie. But you do see all of them. You know, Buffalo Bill and uh, and Wild Bill. You see all of them in there picking off bad guys. I love that scene because it but is. I, but I wanted it more like a team. You know what I mean? But you get that with <laughs> you Grant. Want the Avengers, okay? Right, right. But you get that a little bit with Grant. And, Let's stick and, around after the credits for when Nick Fury shows up to recruit. Right. See here, I thought we were done with that joke. Does Grant not have a gun? Doesn't he? Shouldn't he be able to just lock down? You know, like have a metal door. You know, it's the president's train. 
You'd think it'd be like a panic room or something. I like that. Nope. <laughs> but I like that. I like this because he's not shaken for the only time. Oh, it's not. He's uh, that he's off at all is when they first wake him up, mm-hmm. and that's a great waking up scene. He does a great. It it really feels like somebody really waking up and not knowing what the hell is going on and maybe a little still a little drunk, you know. It's hysterical too because I think his line is something like "Christ, what now?" Or <laughs> it's it's classic Jason Robards, you know. He's he's great. It's sort of like it's actually sounds sort of like what your dad would say if, if you to shake him awake. Yep. I love that outfit. Somebody was cosplaying as this version of the Lone Ranger at uh, at MegaCon this year, and I just loved it. Thought it was awesome. I like this little scene with Silver too. He gets a little trigger moment here, which come to think of it, though, I think in the the TV show, which again I've seen precious little of, but I think in the TV show he was. Portrayed as being almost like humanly smart, too. Smart, yeah. Again, there's another little moment with Tonto that they kind of drop a seed for potentially a really good scene, and then there's no payoff to it. Where he asks him, he says, You know, are you here to get Cavendish or to rescue the president? And you have that little pensive look on the Lone Ranger's face, and then you cut immediately to the next scene, and there's no. You know, because they, they don't want you to think about that too much. Because really, why does it matter? Why can't it be both? Yeah, <laughs> true. You know, it's it's. There's no moral dilemma for the Lone Ranger to face here, especially. I mean, the only thing he's got his own code of conduct, but it's the old West. You know, there's no, there's well, nobody going like, ah, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, you know, you shouldn't go after Butch Cavendish and save the president. You know. Well, you got to think though of of that generation that was you know that grew up on this character on TV and everything. For that generation, in a lot of ways, that was that generation Superman. You know, he he was the uh, the moral role model. You know, he was good right. and he you know truth, justice, American way, all that sort of thing. Plus, arguably, he's a policeman. He's a lawman, so he shouldn't be going in and just. You no, know, just because he's, he's a he's, he's a punisher, you know what I mean? He's, he's not. Yeah, he's not a real. He's very much like the spirit. Yeah. If you ever read the spirit yeah. comics, who was a cop. Yeah. And you know, ba- basically, it was the same story, like once again. And, but he always, you know, he always adhered to the law. These scenes between uh, Robards and uh, and Christopher Lloyd, I-, I think, work really well. Yeah, you got two great actors doing their thing here, you know, and and like, you know, try both of them trying harder to, you know, show that they're cooler than the other one. That not cooler like a hey, the Fonz cool, but you know, <laughs> keeping their cool better. Oh, I would have loved to have seen uh, Jason Robards go, Hey! Just hey. <laughs> At first, I didn't know they had a band going there. I was like, what do they have, the radio playing? See, or the loudest Victrola ever? Again, I thought of that while watching this yesterday. Something I didn't think of as a kid is like, wait a minute, where the hell is that music coming from? Because 
back then they wouldn't have had like phonographs or anything, right? So it has no, to be and a even live if they band. did, it wouldn't have been echoing through the woods, you know. So it's a live band in the party, and it sounds like it when they get close to the party. So does that mean in the morning when they're blowing the place up with dynamite that at some point they blow up a mariachi band? Yep, yep, some poor mariachi band that's just doing their job. That sucks. Mm-hmm. They probably had family. <laughs> if this was a Bugs Bunny movie, somebody would like to look around there. I think about that every time I see this scene. This is the scene where Yosemite Sam comes tunneling up with a match lit and goes... Oh, like no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a Chekhov's gun sequence, though. It's mm-hmm. seen right there. Thank you, Wong. I've lit this romantic dinner for you, Mr. President. Let it be known that I, Major Bartholomew Cavendish, firmly resolved to hold the President of the United States as my prisoner. I love this scene where he's just like, ah, I'd change that if I were you. <laughs> it's not bad. They'll dicker and debate and scratch, scratch their indecisive asses. I love. I just love the, the way he talks. It's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. He's got good genes, that Grant. He has the uh, he has the gravitas in this movie. He he's playing the Brando role here. Yeah, somebody from his bloodline should definitely be president. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'd change that. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> They're both so young. I'm so used to Jason Robards being ancient. When did so he he's died, played Lincoln and Grant. When was he Lincoln? I'm sure he's played Lincoln. I think you're right, but I'm trying to remember when it when it was. Well, what's funny is that, um, you know, a good decade and some later, he was Grant again. He was the voice of Grant in Ken Burns' The Civil War. Oh, I've never watched that. Oh, dude. I, know. I, you know, I I couldn't have cared a whit less about the Civil War when I saw that, and I remember when it was when it hit PBS and all the big hullabaloo when it came to PBS, mm. and my dad wanted to see it, and and I think it was one of those things where I didn't really, I wasn't really interested, but you know, did you ever have one of those moments like with your dad where you know you could tell yeah. he wanted to have a moment with you? And you didn't want to hurt his feelings, so you were like, all right, well, I'll take a bullet for Dad, you know? Yeah. So I sat down to watch it with him and got sucked, sucked right in. in. Oh, damn, is that good. It's really, really... Even if you don't give two shits about the Civil War, that is an incredibly well-put-together documentary. It's It makes it alive and interesting, which is something our teachers in school completely failed to do year after yes. year, you know? It really is fascinating the way it's put together. I would say that you know the the highlights of that is um, whoever does Lincoln is great. Ow! I love that. You know, Robards as Grant is great, and then the narration is really good. And um, oh, there's there was one other person in it that's really good. So I'm trying to remember who it who it is. I think See, it has like Morgan Freeman as um, Sam. Uh, as I was going to say, Sam Douglas. What was his name? 
Frederick Douglass. Frederick, Frederick, yeah, Frederick Douglass. Excuse me, sir. Lives in Ro- lived in Rochester. Right <laughs> that is totally my dad right there. Here's a gun. Trust us, sir. I like that. Here's a gun. <laughs> I love that. What's cool in this is that they don't make Grant just, you know, just a candy ass. You know, it's not like... He's not a candy ass. He won the no. Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they, they don't forget that. You know, it's like... I, I think if this movie were done today, there would be a tendency to, okay, you know... Oh, I the love president's it. a softy. The pre- well, it's part like of it is that he's dressed New York. Like, well, part of it is that he's dressed like Han Solo too. I think that really helps him in the scene. <laughs> he's this was a modern up. movie. If this was a modern movie, Christopher like Lloyd would be good. Who am I? And Grant would be good. You're the Duke of New York. You're a number one. <laughs> U.S. Grant is right. Han Solo. Look at him. He's totally got Han Solo's outfit. I love it. I love how all of these dynamite sticks are perfectly timed that go out. I, I was just saying, this is a masterpiece of timing and like floating down a river. They were like, they did tests with the speed of the river, you know. <laughs> That's a shitload of dynamite right there, too. But no, I mean, he, he you know... They they could have easily got away with okay you're the president go over here hide behind these rocks until it's all over no he jumps right into the action is kicking ass I love he, it. yeah he, uh, he's probably he's probably enjoyed it we Honeywell's like a good fight I imagine the... See, now you need to be able to go back in and dub in uh, ass kicking Abe with his axe you know the right vampire hunter Abe have you seen that yet. No, I still have not seen that. You need to read the book. Forget about watching the movie. Read the book. You will love the book. You like the movie too, though. But you I did until I read the book. the book, and I haven't seen the movie again since because I'm afraid the book has probably ruined the movie for me. Okay. Because the mo- I thought the movie was great, but on kind of a kitschy, oh, that's kind of goofy but fun level. And then I read the book, which is a straight up no. This really is the secret history this of is how it happened. Yeah. yeah, it's great. That's that's more of what I would like the movie to been like completely. Not, I mean, how completely plausible? No, is the it book is completely plausible. That's right. the thing about it is that the guy did his homework on Lincoln and the Civil War and makes that book as completely plausible as he possibly could given the subject matter. And the movie didn't even make nowhere near that much of an attempt. It was basically like the movie is kind of like it's kind of like Evil Dead. You know what I mean? It's Right, like, right. It's over the top. Yeah. It's fun. It's a, it's a great ride, but now having read the book, I'm like, man, I wish they'd done that. You know what I mean? Hey, why the hell are you going and leaving me? I'm safe here, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, I'll help you. I've been in a few battles myself, son. Now you're a president, so keep your head down. You know, it's funny. These are both Lou Grade, or not Lou Grade, Lord Grade Productions within about a year of each other, both scored by John Barry, both have Jason Robards. This and um, Raise the Titanic. That's I never really thought about it before, but there's a lot of similarities in those. Maybe, maybe he, um, maybe he, um, 
nailed Jason Robards and John Barry down for two movies, you know. See, here's the scene you were talking about. That's what I'm saying. It's it's hilarious, and it even has the cavalry. It's it. Silver I mean, brings the cavalry. It, it's it's the chuck wagon. <laughs> See, you got dog, giant dog chasing them. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got silver, and then you got right after silver, you've got you know the old West Avengers here. You got Buffalo Bill and. Wild Bill, but it's just a sort of—they just sort of fly Custer. by on their horses. I wanted to see—I wanted to see their personality. I wanted like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen <laughs> type deal. I love. There's so many shots of people flying through the air, going. Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, it's a western. Every stunt man was called out in Hollywood for this movie. You know, to get to. See, I couldn't disagree with you more about. Ah! I, oh, I'm swimming. <laughs> I couldn't disagree with you more about the music right here because I think this is a really good piece of John Barry, but it's all leading to the William Tell Overture. I think for all the complaints this movie already gets, if it didn't end with that, I think people would have been up in arms about it. I would have just yeah, I would have liked to end it with them with riding into the sunset with the music more than the, just the fight sequence. I would have liked regular fight sequence music in it because it just told me, alright, you got about five more bars and yep. the last punch is getting Come on, thrown. this is great. Oh, I love that! See, this is the scene you want. There's your guy right there. That's the scene you wanted. Yeah, it's a cut scene, though. I want them all getting together going, well, the president, we got to go get the president, you know? What if they're doing their own riding here? Maybe even for this. <laughs> all right, now that wasn't Christopher Lloyd. He just dropped no. out. <laughs> See, I think this fight scene is spectacular. Look, watch right there. There's a, that was a Star Trek Three moment right there. Oh yeah. Because for the first little bit of the fight, Cavendish has got the upper hand. Of course. But you know he's. But there's no drama. You, you don't think he's going to keep the upper hand because, look, I mean, here, here he goes. The end's coming. Is that much longer? I love it. You know, it's also because I'm used to modern mu movies where this would be drawn out more. It would be a boss, more of a right. boss battle, you know? This is just a simple fist fight. Well, plus, you're making it sound like there's no suspense or whatever. Here's your suspense moment right here. Is he going to do it? Is he going to kill him? It was what Tonto was asking him. Was he there to capture him or was he there to kill him? I love this scene. He didn't ask him that. He was uh, No, he, I know, I know. But, to get him and save the president. But. Right, but essentially this this is the, the dilemma of the scene. Is he there for revenge or is he there for justice? It's a classic, somewhat maybe even cliched superhero trope, but I love that scene, that in the end he decides, no, I'd 
I'm going to take him in. I'm Brent surprised they don't show him going to the gallows because yeah, will be paid I mean, for. that's the thing is I you know maybe they were you know hoping for sequels. You'd think they would have had Butch away. Cavendish yeah. get away, but he's off. Jason Robards basically seeing hell, buddy. Yep. <laughs> You know, he he's not going to jail. <laughs> I've often wondered... See, there's your guys right there. See, yeah. I've often wondered about sequels as well, because they do touch briefly on his nephew, which who was a character on uh, the radio show. Right, and uh, you're right. You know, they never followed up on him saying, you know, go and check on my son you're right that could have been something for the sequels as soon as he said that you knew he was dead <laughs> hey if anything happens to me you know check out my son not that anything will happen to me or not or anything who is that masked man who was that masked man oh god yeah. I hate this song. A horse is a horse, of course. <laughs> but they're about to rectify a lot of that here in just a moment. Once they get past this stupid ass song, like ah, I hate this song. Silver and gold. <laughs> and just like in case you were asleep at any point, we're gonna read you know It's a walking cactus that's walking around. That's the only thing that could have really like made it worse as if it was a walking cactus with Burl Ives' voice <laughs> singing all these songs. <laughs> I love this scene right here, the, the shot. Yeah. And this is, I'm pretty sure this is Fred Foy. The original voice from uh, the radio show and the TV, uh, I think. If it's not, it's it's a hell of a good imitation. With his friend Tonto, the daring and resourceful mask rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early Western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history. Guy's got a little spit in his mouth. Lone Ranger rides again. I, I always love the way he said that. They changed it up just a little bit because in the show and on the radio show it was always the Old West, and then you know because this was going to re- be released to a an international market, they changed it to the uh, early Western United States. But it's essentially the same one they always used. Well, I don't care what to say. I <laughs> I still think it's a hell of a lot of fun. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it would have been better if I saw it when I was ten years old. You know, see, that's the thing. This this is one of those ones I can still put myself in a, in that ten year old mindset and enjoy it on that level, which is, I think, exactly. I think the yeah. I'm gonna have to find the equivalent of something with me, something that I saw when I was young that like Star- I know, huh? Star Wars. <laughs> No, I'm no. I think yeah, but, I'm, but Star Wars. <coughs> if the forty-five-year-old me, I think I would still love Star Wars if I saw Star Wars for the first time. I don't think I would have flipped out about it as much as I did then, but I would still be like, "That was a great movie," you know. There's got to be something. There's there's got to be some movie that I'll we could find- think of. 
that you know you you love on that level of every time you watch it, it takes and you that back you haven't in, seen you know, yet. Yeah. twelve years old or whatever. It's got to be. There's got to be something out there like that. But that's what it is. I mean, I like I say when. I, I watched it yesterday, trying to put a little bit more critical eye to it. And yes, definitely, things jump out. Things jump out that are like, whoa, that didn't make any sense. Or, wow, that's a shit bit of acting. But, taken as a whole, start to finish, transport me, transports me right back to living on West End Ave, watching it on HBO. Uh-huh. It's being like, oh, I love this movie. You know, it really does. So, like I say, flaws and warts and everything, I dig the hell out of it. I think it's a fun ride. Well, I'm trying to <laughs> think of how I felt. You know, I feel about it. I mean, I wasn't bored through it. I wish it would have been more Grant. <laughs> I'd love to see a whole movie about Grant with Robards in it. That's oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But there was stuff. I, I mean, I appreciated it on a just a a, a basic level. You know, you know what I'm saying, was and he... it wasn't one of those things where it's like bad, like media masochist, like oh my god, I don't know if I can take this because usually movies that are that bad are boring. Was you know, he Lincoln? Never was boring in the North and South, maybe. What's that? Was uh, was uh, Jason Robards? Because you said he played Lincoln, and when you first said that, I thought no, he didn't. But no, the more I think about it, the more I'm I think pretty sure. Right. And now I'm wondering if it was the North and South where he played Lincoln. I, let me see. I'm going to look here real quick. He did television, he put... right? What's that? He did some television. Yep, here you go. Oh, Abe Lincoln sure in did. Illinois. Yeah, 1964. He sure as hell did. Yeah. I, I only remember that because I, I think that... I, he's played other presidents too, the, but they were like Jason Robards has played you know Lincoln and Grant and blah 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 and was maybe the only actor to play both. There's something here. It just says Lincoln, 1992. It says voice as Abraham Lincoln. So, huh? huh that's that's strange that it's just a voice credit. But yeah, now that you say that, I'm wondering who the hell played Lincoln in the North and South t- uh, television series, you know, that mini series or whatever it was called. Because I, I, that may have been. Oh, jeez, I don't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, yeah, you are absolutely right. I forgot about uh, uh, Abe Lincoln in Illinois. I haven't seen that one in a long time. But yeah, I forgot he was Lincoln in that. But you are absolutely. I miss him. I I think he was a hell of a good actor. I got a kick out of him. He's in another one of my favorite movies of all time, A Boy and His Dog. His dog, yeah. Oh, he was he he was very pro- he was in he so was prolific. Many yeah. yeah, he was in a ton of movies. Well, one that I know we've mentioned a couple of times before on the show, and uh, I don't know that it would necessarily be any good as a commentary, but maybe just a, like a straight up like we both watch it and then just discuss it sometime. I love Max Dugan Returns. And after the last time that came up on the show, I actually looked it up and it was on Netflix. So I popped it on the iPad late one night intending to like watch like 10 minutes and fall asleep. I ended up watching the whole damn movie and loving it all over again. That is a great movie. And the cool thing about that is that he's the star and he pretty much carries that movie start to finish. And it's just it's a hell of a lot of fun. He, I've never uh, seen that either. 
Oh, come on. I know you've seen that movie. Never seen Here, it. Here's the premise of it. I can't remember the actress's name. Sally Field, I think. Oh, no, it's not Sally Field because I can't stand her. I can't remember what her name <laughs> is. She's, she's really cute, too. I can't think of her name. But anyway, the premise of the movie is she gets this mysterious call in the middle of the night. And then a little while later, this guy shows up at her door. And she's a, she's a single mom living on her own, raising Matthew Broderick, who was all of maybe 15, 16 years old at this point. Early, early, early Matthew Broderick. And Jason Robard shows up in the middle of the night, and he's Max Dugan. He's this woman's father who abandoned her when she was an infant. And he's come back into her life because, as it turns out over the course of the story... He has swindled like some crazy amount of money, like thousands and thousands of dollars from the mob because they had, at some point in the past, they'd swindled him out of money. So he's on the run from that, but also, as it turns out, he's terminally ill and wanting to reconnect and have family, like somebody to leave this money to before he expires. And so it's a it's a it's a comedy. It's somewhat lighthearted, but when it actually gets going and gets into the drama piece, where you discover the real reason why he came back into this woman's life after so long, the regret that he feels that he just up and abandoned her, then it becomes you know emotionally engaging. It becomes a really good heart tug drama, and uh, it's just a damn good movie. I, I really... And, you know, I don't typically go for those kind of movies, but this one just works for me, mostly because Jason Robards is just incredibly engaging in that movie. He's funny, he's witty, he's very irreverent, but the moments between him and his daughter when they start to kind of reconcile and find each other are genuinely touching. It's It's a really, really good movie. I, dude, I know you've seen that movie. I, it, nothing about nothing oh, about on. that story rings a bell. It's got me Donald Sutherland in it, and I no know idea. I, I love Donald Sutherland I too. Seen. I mean, I remember that those uh, was you, it Sa- not Sally Kellerman? No, it's um, shit. Hang on, I'll let me see. It's got to be here in this listing somewhere. What the hell year was that? Eighty three. Max Dugan. Oh, it was right after uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Her name is Marsha Mason. That's it. Marsha Mason. Marsha Mason. Yes. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Now, Donald Sutherland in that movie, he plays a police officer that Marsha Mason meets, and then they start dating. At some point toward the very end of the movie, they go to a Little League game because they're going there to watch Matthew Broderick play a game. There's a whole subplot in the movie about Matthew Broderick's on this team but he sucks and he can't hit a ball. So, Jason Robards, as his grandfather, pays this guy, a real life person who trains for one of the big league baseball teams to come and teach him how to hit a friggin' baseball. So this is a big moment in the movie. But it turns out that the team that they're playing against is the team that the cop's son plays for. He's the pitcher. Well, when they the game's all over at the end of the movie and everything, um, the mother introduces um, you know Matthew Broderick to the pitcher, the, uh, the opposing team pitcher, who is Donald Sutherland's son. 
It's Kiefer Sutherland. His real life son. His real son, yeah. I think that's his first movie, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, like I say, just it, it's a good, it's a really good, I think you'd really enjoy it. I'm, I'm surprised you don't remember it, because I'm almost positive we, we had seen that at least one time together on HBO when we were kids. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. See, I swore the same thing about this, about Legend of the Lone Ranger, and you yeah. said I've never seen it before, so... I don't know. See, usually I'm the one with the memory problems. So I would have remembered. I would have remembered it, especially if Ulysses S. Grant was in it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much all yeah. I got on this. I think I have have gushed sufficiently. What do you think for next? Time? So I'm trying to think of what else is coming out. I completely missed. Wolverine, which was the other one that we could have potentially done, but I was thinking Wolverine's kind of limited because you could do the first Wolverine movie, which frankly I didn't think was very good, or you could do one of the X-Men movies, which I would rather save for doing like when we get an X-Men movie, you know, another which is coming. Yeah. yeah, another one coming, so so we got Wiggle Room in there. We talked about Dragon Slayer. Wouldn't mind doing that one. We talked about uh, Transformers. And you know at least one person out there, Mr. You know. Mr. Trenner, is flipping out of his mind going, God, yes, please do the Transformers. The problem is he wants us to do the cartoon, which I, I have zero connection to. Never never seen any of it. So not opposed to it. I'm just saying I've, I, I have no – I got nothing. You know what I mean? I'd be going in dry on that. But uh, – the cartoon movie you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Nimoy's in that. So Nimoy is in that. Dark of the Moon, which I oh. did not know when I sat down to start. I was, I loved that. I really thought that movie was cool because two things I was geeking out about is that the big, um, the big new Transformer that they introduce in the third movie, the first time he spoke and said something, I thought holy shit, is that Leonard Nimoy? And it turns out it is. He, Nimoy in real life, is related to somebody... Is it Bay's wife? Shit, I was just reading about this. Anyway, he's related to somebody involved in Transformers. So they got him for that. But he he had been a character, Unicron, I think, in that animated movie, Transformers the movie, the animated one from the 80s. He was in that, too. I don't think he plays the same character in Dark of the Moon. I think he's somebody different, but it is him. It really is Leonard Nimoy. He sounds really cool. I, they did. I think they did something with his voice, and it sounds even cooler than you know his regular Spock. Voice. Added a little metallic edge to it. But the part I thought was really cool is the the beginning of the movie sets this whole thing up with the the whole reason we went to the moon in the '60s was tied up with the Transformers that essentially we had to get to the moon because there was something there waiting for us that was tied to the Transformers. I thought that was a really cool way to go with this movie. So then early on in the movie, there's a a nice little confrontation scene where Optimus gets pissed and is like, why, you know, you've known all this all this time. Why did you keep this from us? And this door opens while the scene is going on, and these people start walking in. And I'm watching this. You know, I got the big screen TV now, so I'm watching this. I'm seeing this one guy walk in, and I go, 
God damn, that guy looks like Buzz Aldrin. And then it, it cuts to him, and I'm like, holy shit, that's Buzz Aldrin. It was the real Buzz Aldrin. And there's this great scene where where he and Optimus meet and exchange pleasant. It was, I was totally flipping out. I thought that was really cool that I don't know. Like how they were they, old buddies after yeah. meeting on the moon. I mean, I don't know how the hell they got him, but they really got him. And I thought that was really, really cool because I know that, uh, you know, well, there's that famous clip on YouTube where you <laughs> the guy out for essentially saying what this movie asserts that they went there under false pretenses and that there's been this cover up all this year or all these years well no no I take that back this guy was alleging that they never went to that That's they never went right. there he was right I had my, my I think he got punched in the face because he called him he called him a liar and yeah. something else yeah and, and 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 you could tell and the guy Buzz Aldrin's age them's fighting words you know he's sitting there and he's like I don't want to punch this guy I do want to punch this guy but I can't I'm gonna I have to punch this guy well the it's thing awesome. is, is that I think that there's a tendency, and this guy amply demonstrated it, to forget that these guys might be in their 80s and 90s, but they're probably among the fittest fit human beings yeah. on the planet for their age, you know? They were astronauts. And this was back in, you know, I'm, no, don't get me wrong, I'm not slighting today's astronauts. I'm sure that they're very physically fit and everything. But the guys back then, were you know this close to being real life Captain Americans? I mean, they were put through the ringer before they were approved to actually go on flights to be real astronauts. I mean, and that guy never, never lifted anything heavier than a Taco Bell <laughs> jumbo burrito in his life. <laughs> And it's just hysterical to see Buzz Aldrin just knock the just freaking deck him. Yeah, it's great. It it's is great. great. Well, it's funny. I, I watched that movie um, that that's a clip out of, and it was really hard to make it through it because you you just want to strangle the guy. But um, there was another astronaut. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Al Bean, maybe. That kicked him in the ass. Because he, the guy wormed his way. I'm, I'm almost positive it's Al Bean, but whichever one it is, I'll say it's Al Bean for the sake of conversation. He wormed his way into Bean's um, home or, or workplace or whatever on false pretenses that I want to interview you about this. And then once he had him cornered, he switched yeah. tactics and starts talking about the conspiracy. And it pissed Bean off. And at first, he's trying to be polite about throwing him out of his house. And then you can see his fuse burn down very quickly to the point where he's just like, you need to get the hell out of my house. And he's like trying to bum rush the guy, at which point he boots him square in the ass. And it's hysterical. <laughs> it is absolutely hysterical. Really, really good. But that that was, uh, that was really hard to watch because it was one of those like, you know... I'm going to put forth my irrefutable evidence, and it's like, you know, if you and he's spent, got nothing, yeah, if you could, if you didn't know jack about the space program, and spent ten minutes on the internet, you could refute this guy's argument, and it was just infuriating that he presented it as just absolute stone cold solid evidence that we'd never been to the moon, and that was, it's just. You know, 
doesn't oh, yeah. hold any water at all. Yeah, but he's sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can tell in his voice just before he gets clocked. Yep. <laughs> he thinks he's doing the doing the good deed. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's oh, I love to watch that clip though. I I can watch it. I love that it it's one of those clips that they show it like what, like three or four times within the clip and they keep slowing it down. <laughs> it's like oh, a Clouseau yeah. scene, yeah it is. Exactly. <laughs> It is. I love it. Well, well, we got a lot of choose to choose from for next time. Uh, hopefully, I'll have my voice back by then. Hopefully, I'll have my voice back by whatever podcast I do next. But you're sounding more and more like Grant all the time. I'm sounding like Lindsay Lohan these days. <laughs> You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. It's that easy. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Freaks.